Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast, episode, episode 483. Charlie here with you, Mitch, on the other side of the Zoom. It's a great show today. We're excited. We're going to build a case for or against tanking for the Green Bay Packers. Let you decide. We're going to talk about if there's any way that Mike McCarthy would still be a Packers coach today. Has a lot to probably do with that 2014 Super Bowl. We'll chat a little bit about the Bucs. What's your ceiling for wins now that they've lost? And then the Brewers comments. There's some early Brewer news. Colton Wong, Brad Boxberger, Marquez comments, the whole whole thing. It's a loaded show today. Yeah. Before we get going, Mitch, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, let's see. Stick to sports. So I will. But, <laughs> yeah. it, is, but it is election day. It is. As, we are as, taping, we, as yes. we record. So yes, we're. All, I saw. I saw someone. One podcast did like a thing with the NBA where it was real or fake, which I kind of like that as a theme. You know, like real news or fake news kind of thing. I like that. Um, but yeah, it's it is election day. Um, hopefully, everyone got out to vote. And when you listen, uh, this should be up. This will be up after the polls close. And yeah, and it, no need to be too dramatic either way. Whatever happens, happens and. It's not going to probably affect your life that much. And, uh, yeah, life moves on. I mean, it affected my life because there's no NBA tonight, but um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, but there was, a, there was a bunch Monday. There's There will be a bunch Wednesday. Yeah. I can take a day off. I mean, right. it's all right. Right. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's like not to, not to stay woke here, but maybe it's a uh, way for the NBA to kind of hope that load management doesn't happen. Kind of have these, like, you know, maybe it's like a trial run to see, like, do we do we space out the schedule where it's kind of like a bunch of games Monday, a bunch of games Wednesday, and then there are sort of these built-in days off, if you will. Like, they kind of do that already with Tuesdays and Thursdays during the football season, especially Thursdays. Like, they do not fuck around with anything during football, which I wonder if they change that next year with Amazon Prime's ratings not being the same as what we saw on like Fox and CBS. I, I wonder if the NBA kind of pivots from that approach as Amazon Prime doesn't look as scary as some of the other Thursday night games. Well, we'll have to see because the game lineup every Thursday is not very good either. So, right. And that's, that's actually always been a thing. If you think about it, there's a couple good ones on Thursdays, but a lot of times they'll sneak the Texans and the Jaguars and yeah, you know, the Bengals when they weren't good. Yeah, you, know, you have Falcon. Uh, you have you have Falcons Panthers this weekend. Right. Like who's who's actually going out of there? I mean, Falcons Panthers two weeks ago was exciting. It was like 37-34. You could sell me on the Panthers revenge game, right? Because DJ Moore gets screwed on taking off his helmet. You could sell me on watching that game, but am I going to go out of my way to watch Falcons Panthers? Probably not. Yeah, and and I mean, people say, well, Al Michaels must really regret what the move, but it's like. I don't think Al gives a fuck when he's back at home in California on the weekend golfing. Betting on ponies, betting on ponies, yeah. golfing. Yeah. Like, no, Al doesn't give a fuck. Al's in the I don't care my career. Like, you read his book. It's, I wonder if he would read his own book and be like, Am I, did I turn into Howard Cosell a little bit? Because he kind of commented and was a little critical of Cosell in the latter stages of his career uh, that Cosell kind of mail, was mailing it in a little bit. And so I, I just wonder, does well, would he feel the same? Um, but yeah. still love Al. Excited to have Al next week on the broadcast with probably a 
bias Kurt Herbstreit with his boy Mike Vrabel as the Tennessee Titans coach and also Nashville resident Kirk Herbstreit. So we have that mountain to deal with. Yeah, we shall see. It's <laughs> uh it's a Thursday night football is 50-50 chance for me. I, I mean, I will say it's if you don't have prime video, um, you know, I don't know what you're doing because yeah. I don't even I don't even hardly use Amazon and I have Amazon Prime. So Right. And it's just good, it's just worth it. And the good news is though, if you do don't have Prime Video, and we'll remind people this next week too, is the local channels will carry the I don't know if which one it is, but one of the locals will carry Packers Titans. I think they're required. Pretty sure that's the case, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not uh, I think the local channels bid on it, I think is how it works. Oh, okay. There you and go. it might only be like Milwaukee and Green Bay that do it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think <clears throat> Milwaukee and Green Bay are the only ones allowed. And usually in one, in most states, it's just one. Like it's just Cincinnati, right? Or it's just Atlanta or just Charlotte. But because the Packers have such a wide reach, you get Milwaukee and Green Bay. And I don't know, maybe the bids will be a little bit low as we get into our first topic as the Green Bay Packers are now three and six. We talked about projecting out the rest of the year last week and a couple times you were like well what if they lose to Detroit and I shook you off admittedly like I was kind of like yeah no I mean is it possible sure but I I didn't really see it I just thought with how bad Detroit's defense was I, I just believe that Green Bay would figure it all out and Aaron Rodgers admitted today on Pat McAfee that they're going through a little bit of a rough stretch and they just have to get over the hump and I think that's how I feel a lot of a lot of the case and a lot a lot of some people do but i'm in the minority and a lot of people are like it's over packers are done so what we are going to do here is we're going to build a case for a tank which would i think be defined as five or less wins is that correct yeah i mean five yeah five or six less. six yeah maybe. i mean six would be probably the peak of it and my case would be fuck the tank there's still a chance at the playoffs try to see if you can, you know, get turn around the season and at least make it into a positive. Yeah. So uh, well, that's, yeah, that's kind of where we're at and that's kind of going to be the starting point. Hopefully it'll be civil. It's been, it's been kind of an ugly week for Packer fans. I think everybody's angry. I we almost did something out on happiness because I think no one's happy. And I've like, I have a larger theory on it. Um, but I, I think that we'll just start with the tank and, you know, Mitch, well, it, Go ahead. Allow me. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I will. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll see the floor. Okay. Well, so we sit here today. It is November 9th as you listen to this podcast, hopefully, uh, 2022. Packers are three and six. And I mean, I guess it's the NFL. The difference between a six and three team and a three and six team might not be all that much. And, you know, but it, Okay, Rodgers talks about we're going through a rough stretch. Well, you've lost five games in a row, culminating with a loss in Detroit where that, I mean, never happens with Aaron Rodgers in in the helm. There, um, yeah, there are very few instances of it. Uh, they I have lost the, to Detroit in the last 10 years, but it's I think been the last a couple one, times. I think the last one that comes to mind that was at this point of brutal was 2018 when Mason Crosby couldn't make a field goal. Right. And he lost to the Cardinals and McCarthy got fired, which right. ironically enough, um, we'll touch on that later. But um, 
you know, that, yeah, that that's probably the last time the vibes were this bad. I think this might be a little worse. I just feel like the offense has been really putrid all year. Um, at least if it's, if it's not, I will say against Detroit, they move the ball, but a little, but it just seemed like, you know, you had some very uncharacteristic uh, throws and plays from Rodgers. I mean, three turnovers in the red zone is you never have that happen with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not, I'm not going to be super dramatic and say Rodgers is done um, stuff like that. But I do think that he is in a spot where he can't carry you like he, like he once could without any help as a receiver uh, from the receiving core. Sure. Um, and they, I think the receivers, they're young, they're banged up. Christian Watson can't go more than a series without coming out. Um, and they don't. And Romeo Dobbs got, what was it? Two weeks in a row. Romeo Dobbs got hurt on the first play of the game. And Christian Watson got hurt the week before on the first play of the game. Right. It's it, yeah. it like, and that, and that's not helping with continuity. No. That that's been an issue all year and yep. guys are in and out of the lineup. The offensive line has can't, can't seem to stay healthy to save their soul. They've had, it, it's just, it, it's a complete train wreck, obviously. Now, anyway, they, they move the ball against Detroit, terrible, terrible turnovers in the red zone and just uncharacteristic stuff. It just seems like they're finding ways to lose games. And, and, and we've talked about it too. Like they, they can't get a break. I mean, they, the last couple of weeks, they finally get a turnover. What do they do? They, they turn it right back over. Um, it, it really, it really has been a year from hell. Um, and, and I just don't know where it gets better. I mean, you have uh, my faith in them winning a game in the month of November has gone from, from what did I say last week? One uh, and three, maybe yeah, two and said, two. Yeah. Right. And I mean, if they won one, that would be a miracle at this point. I mean, it's okay. just, you know, where, you know, I don't, I don't have, you got a ton of injuries now. Rashawn Gary out for the year. Obviously yeah, that's, that's another, brutal, another, that's another brutal loss. Yeah. 100%. Bakhtiari comes out of the game against Detroit, uh, comes back in as a receiver. <laughs> no, and, he, uh, no, 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 that was that, after. Uh, yeah, it was after he, he basically, I think. And he, he did saw, come back in the game for the last series. He saw that the pack, he felt like the Packers needed him out there. And I, I guess I don't understand if Aaron Jones felt good enough to be out there. Why couldn't, why couldn't he also be out there? I think they were really concerned about the turf. Like I think the back-to-back turf games, like Devondre Campbell touched on it and said that the NFL yeah. needs to do something about, and I'm not using it as an excuse, like the Lions plan that. The Lions also know because they plan it all the time, what type of cleats to wear, what plants I need to make, what, what are things I shouldn't do that would cost me an ankle or a knee or a foot. And they just have a better understanding as you, as Packers do with Lambo, even though it's grass. So I, I do think that played a little bit into yeah. the, the Bakhtiari management. I think they got a little bit spooked and were like, well, you know what? We are not taking any more chances on this field because it's not, it's just not working. Right. It's just not going right. And the Gary, the Gary ACL thing is so innocuous. If you saw the video, it's like, he, it was a running play and he just, he kind of just, it, it all of a sudden it popped, right? Like it wasn't, mm. it wasn't like he, you know, got tangled up with anybody. It was, it was a weird injury. And so I think the Packers were a little spooked, honestly. And, yeah, that, and that, that happens. I, I, you know, it, it is, it is what it is, but 
I think, you, you know, you build a case that Packers have a really hard schedule coming up. There's no real need to basically say, all right, we're going to, we're going to ride this out with Rogers. And because for every intensive purpose and what every fan wants, who wants tanking, tanking equals Jordan Love. Like I, I, even though Jordan Love could win some games, tanking is what that equation amounts to. Is that accurate? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about the whole equation, but it's, you know, I think we have to see what happens in, against Dallas. I don't think it's going to go, going to go great. And I think we touched on it last week. Like, okay, you give Rogers the Dallas game and, and, you know, who knows? Clearly I, I think the thumb is an issue and um, I don't know how, how much of an issue, but it's some of the balls he threw against Detroit right. were not, were uncharacteristic. And I'm just saying that if, if, if you see more of that, you know, I think it's time to have a discussion with him about, you know, maybe just go ahead and get, get surgery. You're out the rest of the year. We're three and seven and we kind of want to see what we have in Jordan love. I know he's not going to give a shit as he shouldn't, but you know, I mean, some, sometimes it might be, it might be better for, for both parties that way you see what you have with Jordan love, whether you end up trading him in the off season Hopefully you can build some value. I think he's got what one year under contract after this year. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, maybe if you find it, maybe he plays well enough, you get two or three wins um, with him at, at, at quarterback and you can try to get, and you come back next year with Rogers, I suppose. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in Jordan love either that, you know, he's going to go six and one or something. And then we have a serious con- controversy. I don't know if it gets to that point, but I mean, I don't know what what playing out the string and winning three or four more games this year does for you. I I think that if the Packers lose on Sunday, there is a conversation had with everybody, whether and and everybody means Mark Murphy, Brian Gunacoust, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Lafleur, Adam Stanovich, the offensive coordinator. I think there is a serious conversation with all of them about what do we do here. You have a bad thumb. Do you want to play in three days against Tennessee? That's a lot of prep time, right? Not a lot of prep time for Jordan Love. Right. Jordan Love would be better suited to play against Philadelphia, and maybe that's it. But I do think that if the Packers were to win one of those games, if they don't beat Dallas, but they beat Tennessee and they're four and seven, there is still a path. And I, I know that like drives Packer fans crazy. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to go out until there is no path. Until the Packers have nine losses, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of this team. I think once you hit nine losses, then it's a it's a discussion. But I think his comments to McAfee at the end today where he's like, I'm going to go out swinging, I'm going to fight like hell, you know, this whole thing. Like, I, I think Rodgers is way too much of a competitor to just be like, all right, yeah, pull the plug now. And I also think his ego is a little too big to be like, okay, there is that what if. Like if Jordan Love goes six and one, Packers probably are a playoff team. And then what happens? And then just the legacy of Rodgers just kind of crumbles. And it's just this entire story. But also it fucks the Packers over because they can't trade him because they wouldn't be able to trade him. There's no way. Uh, Ryan Kahn of uh, Acme Packer wrote an article about trading Rodgers. And while I enjoyed it in the sense of I thought it was smart, I thought it was well written, it was I understood it. 
it was a little too much on the cap is real versus the cap is fake. And Ryan also didn't point out the fact that like the reason why Rogers is a bunch of money backloaded in his contract is because the Packers and Russ ball are assuming that the cap is going to go up with the new TV deals. That is exactly why that is. And I can't imagine writing an article like that and not considering that the TV deals are going to go up and they're going to directly impact the cap. And that's where all these cap analysts like fuck it up and don't equate for a new salary cap with a new TV deal. Yeah. Well, that could be hard to do because you don't really necessarily know. Oh, totally. It's going to be, but that's, but that's kind of why it's, it's a frivolous conversation to talk about contracts when we know that it's going to go up. And so I understand it drives, it drives the hits. It dry. I clicked in like I'm sure other people did. And it's definitely a topic of conversation, but I just, the other part of tanking where I push back on is I, I, I just worry how high can you go? Like Houston to me is the worst team in football, right? Houston's not getting any better. Uh, Carolina, they have a kind of difficult schedule. I think everybody's like, Oh, Carolina. And then they absolutely get ship pumped by the Carolina or the Cincinnati Bengals. Excuse me. Jacksonville has a really tough schedule down the stretch. Chicago has a really tough stretch, tough schedule down the stretch. So it's like, even if you do tank, like, I don't know, maybe best case scenario, you're getting the seven or eight spot versus like the 12 or 13. Like, I just don't know how much of a difference we're really talking about. And I realize that sometimes that could mean Micah Parsons or some other guy, but I just, I'm not, I'm not entirely, not entirely there yet just because I don't know how much it affects your draft prospects with a lot of bad teams on deck. Yeah, there, there are quite a few teams, Um, you know, the schedule does open up a bit after November with, you know, Miami, notwithstanding you get the Vikings yet after that and everyone's new favorite team, the bears in there in Chicago. I think that is that to end the season. Uh, it, no, the bears, the bears game is the first week in December. They end the season with the lions at home. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Pack, Packers do have the eighth pick right now though, which is right. Uh, oh, I know. Interesting. But, uh, and the, the the other interesting thing, if you want to go from a tank perspective, is you have four t- or four teams, yes, that are going to be actively trying to win football games. Like New Orleans is going to actively try to win because they don't have their pick. They give it to Philadelphia, which is so fucking stupid. I uh, that deal, looking back on that deal, makes no sense at all. Then you have Seattle, who or, I'm sorry, Denver. Pardon me. That that's giving Seattle their pick for Russell Wilson. So Denver's going to fight like hell. The Rams even though they look deader than dead, they're going to still fight because they don't have their first round pick. Cleveland's another example. So four teams in the top 15 are going to kind of fight for to get out of that top 15 to make sure that pick isn't as significant and also not to dogpile him. And he's been a topic conversation on this podcast, but Brian Gutekus, if he got Vegas's first pick for Devontae Adams for next year, what are, we're we're talking about a top five pick right now, yeah. And and things the attitude's different. So it, it, there's so much that Brian Gunacoust has done wrong, and I I've just really soured on him in the last couple of weeks. And I did a podcast yesterday about the Rogers hate because I was like, look, man, this there's yeah. just so much bad. 
There's just so much bad with this team right now. And so that does feed into your feed well, into your tanky. It's funny you talk because I talked to my dad for about 45 minutes before this podcast. And I'd say 30 of it was bitching about the Packers. And um yeah, we you know, all the mistakes that have that have been made really since 2020. Um starting with the draft and you know, getting sort of bullied into this Rogers situation. And, you know, you wonder, I think you pointed it out some, some weeks ago about would this have happened if Ted was still here? And um, I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's, there's, there's some dysfunction and um, you know, the great thing about the NFL is, you know, you can have, I mean, we saw the Packers 2006, they got a top five pick and, you know, they weren't bad again until now. <laughs> I mean, right. practically. Yeah, I mean, that team, 2018. That, that but, team was, that team was, uh, I think, three and 13. So they'd have to lose out to match, to match 12, how bad. Four and 12. Or four and 12. Okay. All right. So they had one win and then that, that's it. But I, I, mean, I five and right. 12 is not, is, is definitely not out of the question here. No, no. Five and 12 is not out of the question. And, I, I wish I, I remembered that 2006 season a little bit more. I, Ironically I, enough, that's the last time I went to a game with my dad. They were bad I, uh, that year too. <laughs> I actually was at a game that year too, and we blew out uh, the New Orleans Saints that day, 38 to three. I saw one of the one of the wins that year. Out of the four, I saw one of the wins. Uh, I saw the NFC Super Bowl representative that year on Christmas Day, Chicago oh, Bears. No. Oh. There you go. So, uh, yeah, and I don't really remember. I mean, I just I assume it was a lot of injuries because Sam Congato, the the legend, was born that year, and yeah, um, I don't really recall anything else necessarily. They were, yeah, they were just. I think they were kind of this tweener team. It was a lot of this and that. Kind of like, kind of, kind of where we are right now. A little bit, and it then started, you know, the transition of out with Favre and in with Rodgers, and Rodgers gets drafted the year prior, and Mike McCarthy takes over for Mike Sherman, and away we go. But I do want to build a case uh, and get out of the negativity and talk about the chance at playoffs and a chance at potentially getting back there. And lighten us all, Charlie. I'm excited. First of all, I just want to start with if you are actively like rooting for the Packers to lose, you shouldn't be a fan. I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying like I think that is like loser behavior. I I want to. Can I squeeze something in real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That by tanking, that's a strong word. I, you know, it's really hard as someone who's been forced to listen to national radio now. (laughs) There was a ton of discussion. That's kind of where this topic was born from. There's a ton of discussion about the Colts and their situation, how they pulled the plug on Matt Ryan a little bit early and now everyone, and then this coaching situation. And it seems like Jim Irsay is looking to the tank and it, and it just listening to some of the guests and stuff that I heard on national radio shows. It's, it seemed like these football people, the word tanking, it's really hard for them to like sort of go all the way there. You know what I mean? Like tanking is that's, well, that's a basketball thing. That's a, that's a yeah, every other sport does that, right? Not football though. We 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 play hard for seventeen games, and so I guess tanking is a strong word. But you know, getting a look at Jordan Love 
is what I'm was what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, no, I, I understand that, and I and I again, guys are going to play hard. It's it's just yes. a matter of right, and, and you, you want to see them do well. Right. It's just it's just realistic. Yeah, I mean, I I realize that it is a pie in the sky hope that Green Bay turns it around. I think that we saw we saw some flashes, we saw some moments of this Packer team, whether it's the Buffalo second half, whether it was the game against the Bears, whether it was that second half against the New England Patriots. There were moments where you you kind of felt good about this team. It just hasn't been in full. We haven't seen it the entire year. We haven't seen it an entire game. We haven't seen the Packers really play a complete football game all season. Right. And I think that's the thing that some people still believe is there with the talent they have on both sides of the football. Now, yes, not having Rashawn Gary is going to be an issue. I think Kingsley Ingbare is a good player. Actually, there's some really good numbers and a small sample size that says he might be a dude, but they don't have any depth after that. Like Preston Smith goes down or he goes down, like that is just Jonathan Garvin. They haven't made a signing of a veteran, you know, edge rusher who's available on the street. Like I'm waiting for that. It's kind of like, it's just, there's a lot of frustration of like, they're not giving the Packers the best chance to succeed, I think, at the front office. And yeah. so that's that's a little bit of the frustration where didn't they didn't they sign an edge rusher last year? Who am I thinking of? Uh, with Whitney Merciless, they brought him. Yeah, out yeah, he yeah, yeah. Um, they they did sign him, and Whitney Merciless was a Packer. But yeah, they they're gonna need some help there. And I think with Dallas, it's just a matter of you have to play your best game. Dallas is very talented. They have a great pass rush. Dan Quinn's defense, the Packers are familiar with through all the times playing with the Seahawks. Travion Diggs, you can beat him. He's a guy that he get, gets interceptions, but he also gives up big plays. So if Rodgers can get that that ball working, that can do all right. And then, yeah, you have to stop Dak Prescott. You have to stop Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard with the one-two punch. And if McCarthy's smart, he's going to run it down, down the Packers' throat. But sometimes Mike McCarthy has been known to – get away from the run when he needs to just keep pounding the football. Packers can't play zone. Dak's really good against zone. So Joe Barry is going to be forced to play man. And I swear to Christ, Mitch, if Joe Barry plays mostly zone in this game, I'm going to lose my mind in the seats. Like I'm going to absolutely lose every stat. Anything you look at, Dak is so good against the zone. But even if you lose tomorrow, it's, it's then it's like you have to kind of then it's almost run to table time. And you have Tennessee – who Tennessee looks good against bad teams. Then when they face good teams where they're kind of expected to win, they usually don't show up. Games against Kansas City, when they play good teams where no one gives them a chance, that's when they play their best, right? Like, yeah. I, th- I think that was so frustrating to watch as a Packer fan on Sunday where it's like, Tennessee has no business being in this football game. And they are blow for blow. They just ran out of time. Like, they, or it was too much time, right? It was just a lot of it was a lot of time and they didn't have any offense to speak of. So, anyways, if you beat one of those teams, as long as you win one of those games and you have one more win under your belt, if you have two, great. It's five and six, and then it's go time. That's absolutely like we're back in, get in the car, the Packers are fucking back. And if it's four and seven, like it's still it still comes down to the Eagles. I realize the Eagles. Have a ton of hype. I realize how good the Eagles have been. 
But we have to at least acknowledge the Eagles have played absolutely no one this year. I'm not saying the Packers are somebody, but the Eagles have played nobody. And then it kind of starts. So, but it, it's going to take everybody I mean, on the they beat, they beat the Vikings who are seven and one. They did. You're right. That was early season Vikings. Yes, you're, you're right. That is. That was week that, two, I think. That is a, yes, you're right. It's a good win. So I, I will just say this, and I will summarize it as everybody needs to be on the same page. Everybody needs to be encouraging. There needs to be no bickering. There needs to be, there just needs to be one heartbeat, essentially. Look at what the Titans did on Sunday night. That should be the motivation, right? And the Packers are better than that Titans team with Malik Willis. I don't know, with Tannehill, I think they're still better with, with Tannehill, honestly. And they just need to play like that. They need, And maybe it's Matt LaFleur. Maybe there needs to be a little bit more there. But I, I still have this kind of hope that it can turn itself around. And maybe that's dumb optimism. Maybe that's me sort of stuck in the same cycle I was with the Brewers where I just was like, just get in and you're going to have a chance. And the last thing I would say, and, I, and we can move on to Mike McCarthy, is the NFC sticks. It's not good. You can get in with nine and eight. I don't think you can get in with eight and nine, but you can get in with nine and eight. That Pittsburgh team last year was awful. They got into the playoffs. I think I'd like the Packers' chances against whoever was the two seed, whether that was San Francisco, whether that was Minnesota. I, I, I do. And you know, you know that the Vikings do not want to see the Packers as a seventh seed if they do end up getting a two seed. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that would end up being uh, a primetime game. That's worst nightmare shit. That's worst nightmare shit for Vikings fans. Deep in, and I know you were with a bunch of them this weekend, deep in the recesses, they know if we get in the playoffs and we're coming in hot and we're the seventh seed and the Vikings are standing there, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot. There's some scary hours there in, in Minneapolis. The uh, Kurt chain dances aren't aren't fucking happening if that's the case <laughs> in the playoffs. Well, so you're saying uh, the Packers have to go six and two then? And yeah, I, that's exactly. Uh... It. No, actually, they yeah six and two would be the would be the number. Yes, yeah, six and two would be. They'd have to have a great second half. And maybe I'm just a dumbass. Maybe that I am just in fantasy world, and this isn't true. And honestly, I just, I just don't, I mean, it's been, it's been five weeks of this shit and, uh, and really all year. And I, I, I know, just man, don't, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where, where the optimism comes from. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're going to lose the rest of their games. Um, but to get to nine and eight at this point is, is wow. It, it, look, man, the Eagles were three and six last year. Now, granted, the Eagles have had a much easier schedule than the Green Bay Packers do this year. Um, no question about it. It has happened in this generation of the NFL with four, and it's happened without the 14th, the 17th team. Three and six is not a death sentence. It can look like it. It can feel like it. But at some point, the law of large averages, the Packers aren't just aren't this bad, right? Yeah. And, and you're right. Maybe it's a year from hell. And the best case scenario is the seven and 10 football team. And it's similar to what the Ravens dealt with last year, right? Ravens were nine and eight last year. They picked 14th. They drafted Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Kyle Hamilton is starting on their team, on their defense. We all loved Kyle Hamilton. Murph and I did. And 
it's if you get a Kyle Hamilton like player at 14, I think a lot of Packers fans would be okay with that. And then you're right back at it. And you have to be because of the Rogers contract, unless he decides to retire. And I, I don't think he does. And there's no way I think Rogers lets it kind of go out that way. So you just restart it and you have a bad year and you shake it off with a lot more pressure on Matt LaFleur and I think even more pressure on Brian Gunacoust if he does keep his job. Yeah. He probably yeah. he probably and he probably will, honestly. But I I guess let me ask you before we go to McCarthy and we'll talk about coaches who got fired. You know, do you think that like Jay Glazer came out and Schefter both this Sunday and were like, Packers tried to trade for Darren Waller. Packers tried to trade for DJ Moore. Packers were close on Claypool as kind of reported earlier. Do you think that was tactical by Gutekus and that he is feeling a little bit of pressure to be like, tell the fans I'm trying here, even though I think the fans at this point aren't really buying his bullshit? Oh, I mean, totally. It's, it's, it's easy to do that, you know. Um, rather than get it done, you know, you can put, you know, I guess a good faith effort. And then when you know, they ultimately, for whatever reason, they always go with the other team. But, but Goody's always in the mix. And it's it's got to be. I mean, what else would it be? I mean, why yeah. does, you know, why, why would that, why would that even get out? I, I guess. Be. Right. I guess my, yeah. The only, my only thought is it's like, oh yeah, it's maybe agent specific to drive up value or something else. But yeah. The fact they were willing to give up a first for DJ Moore is encouraging, I guess, but you have to, you have to do it. Right. And yeah, that's something you revisit, you know, years, years down the road, maybe, I mean, to give up this year's first is, is wild. It must've been, I would assume it was next year's first and they were like, well, for better next year, we'll, we'll make this work, but we'll have to see, man. We'll see. Jackson Smith and Jigbo, it would look pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't really played this year, but oh, yeah, I mean, it. he's kind of he's kind of doing the load management thing in football, which I'm not entirely big on. But yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, Quinn Johnson, who's out of TCU, who's more of a second round pick. I know that would drive people crazy. They have offensive linemen that are available in that first round. I don't think you look defense, but I think you really have to first check out what you have with Bakhtiari and Jenkins and see how. See what's you know kind of next for both of them. You know, Bakhtiari has a cap change that's kind of shifting where they might be able to get off him. And I know that will be unpopular for Aaron Rodgers, but if they really want to say fuck Aaron Rodgers, one of that thing might be you know figuring out a way to re- restructure, you know, move around Bakhtiari's money and maybe potentially release him. So we'll have to see. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So other interesting things. Mike McCarthy back in Green Bay. I think the Packer board, I, I don't know how to even say it's Packer Brass, it's more Rodgers, and I think McCarthy himself has really sort of made it like, hey, don't boo this guy. And I, and the beat, we're both going to be there. I, I wasn't planning on booing McCarthy. Um, no. I, I know people don't like him, but I think with coaches, you just kind of get over it, right? Like Tom Crean, I fucking hated when he left Marquette. And then I realized as I got older that you have to take the Indiana job. Like it was the tagline. It's Indiana. It's Indiana. And a lot of people made fun of him, but it's true. Like that's a, like Indiana's a top five job in college basketball, right? Like just take that job. Uh, and, I mean, it, it definitely was 20 years ago when that happened or 15 years ago. Yeah. 
yeah, and we could debate semantics. Buzz Williams, a little different. I don't, I don't really like Buzz Williams, and I have trouble with Jason Kidd, and like I, every now, but you you have to appreciate with Crane, you appreciated that he got to the Final Four. With Mike McCarthy, the Packers had sustained winning really throughout their time before it went off the rails in 2016. Now question I have for you is if Packers would have won that Super Bowl or even got that in 2014, Brandon Bostick covers up the ball. Are we are we still talking about Mike McCarthy as the head coach? Or would it would at some point it would have just kind of ran thin and they would have they would have kind of cut ties. I it's a to me it's an interesting discussion because I don't know if 2018 happens if McCarthy would have that well he just won a Super Bowl four years ago. Yeah, I mean, pro- I'm guessing that at this point, probably not. Uh, you know, I, I just think it probably would have eventually run its course. I think if, yeah, like if they, let's say they won the Super Bowl in 2014, uh, you know, it might not have happened in 2018. Uh, but the, there definitely was the frustration from, you know, Rogers fan base, you know, maybe even the front office probably had gotten to a point where it had to happen in 2018 uh the other thing too is i mean ted thompson the late ted thompson passed away in january of 2021 you know he was he was gming until what 2019 right 2018 he brian gunacus fired mike mccarthy oh really yeah i mean rogers (laughs) rogers talked about it with schneidman and you know other packer writers tried to spin it because they have to spin everything that fucking rogers says and it really and i went back and forth with him a little bit on it and basically it was like rogers like yeah they got rid of mike and they then brought in their quarterback and things like that's like oh rogers you know talking about still mad at brian gunicus like no it's Fucking football. It's the timeline of it. To your point, Mitch, it's like at some point it just runs the course. And new GM wants their new guy in, right? Yeah. And I guess I guess I apologize. I didn't realize that. Oh, no, it's okay. Um that that changes things. I that's not nearly as surprising then that Mike McCarthy got got fired. I guess I guess I just I probably at that time I assumed that, you know, Goody was a a Ted Thompson puppet and you know Ted was basically calling the shots at that, at that time, still, I mean, even though Goody I mean, Pinst was GM really, and name. If you really want to put on the the iron or the tinfoil hat match, look at those that 2018 and 2019 draft, and then look at the 2020 draft and the 2021 draft, and ask yourself that that same question. Yeah, it's a lot better. Well, 2018 and 2019 look a lot better than 2020. I never considered the Ted Thompson shadow GM. Uh, angle. I should have when I did the Gudakus deep dive last week. Yeah, and that, that's probably why. I don't know. I guess. I guess it just honestly. I I I kind of thought Ted Thompson died in 2018. I guess I didn't realize it was only a year and a half he ago. He wasn't. He wasn't feeling great. I mean, from all intents and purposes, it was. You're kind of accurate in in the way. Like, I hate to be macabre, but like, Ted Ted's kind of lost it by then. Like, he didn't really have a ton. I think it was he was waning in health. Maybe not lost it, probably a little, little too harsh. But it was he was definitely not the same guy he was, and that was part right. of the reason why he had to step down. And he kind and of Ted, stepped down. On Ted his was own still st- st- he was still a senior advisor through through twenty twenty. Yep. So he was still in the building, and 
um yeah ironically since since then basically it's been um yeah a little, that's a little questionable that's lately. a little that's a little interesting because we might have found something here um so it's like it's kind of like when you're like trying to find evidence in like a murder scene like if you ever watch law and order or something you're like found something over here like that's basically us right now yeah right? Just well blown out and it's 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 always it's always you know people were done with ted thompson too oh yeah let's not I mean, let's not make him let's not well, make it no easy. right ted ted was so risk averse ted wasn't the new era of football had kind of you know gone past ted he could still scout with the best of them but he couldn't do anything else and that was the issue that a lot of people had with what Ted Thompson, Ted Thompson was all about. And so you are right. And they needed that influx of new, new juice, new talent. And that's kind of what Brian Gunacuz did and brought in a young coach and Matt Fleur. And I, yeah, I think the Rogers McCarthy relationship was untenable in 2018. I mean, if the Packers had had the success they did, could I have seen a situation where, Ted basically was like, yeah, we're going to run it back. And McCarthy keeps his job and he works with yet another young quarterback. I don't know who a quarterbacks got drafted in 2019. I'd have to look, but it, it's possible. But I, I agree with you that at some point McCarthy would have said, all right, either I want to do my own thing, right? Like Mike Coleman kind of did. And it was like, all right, I'm done. Like I have made two Super Bowls. I'm going to leave and run a front office and coach uh, in Seattle. Or he would have just retired and would have just said, all right, you know, kind of like Sean Payton, where it was like, all right, I, I, I done enough here and it's time for me to kind of move on. And so, yeah, I don't really see a way that McCarthy was still there. I, and I also think that he did a really good job in hiring. Like one thing he learned from his time in Green Bay was that he needs a good defensive coordinator. And he yeah. had that. He let Dom Capers hang out for far too fucking long. And I don't believe Dom Capers would have been the DC for as long if social media was as powerful as it is today. I think the noise would have got so much louder. Maybe it would have, I don't know. But um, yeah, Dan Quinn's awesome. And does a great yeah. job. It's probably, probably going to be a head coach next year. Like you asked, you asked um, 2019 quarterbacks. Yeah. Not, not real pretty. Okay. Kyler Murray. Yep. Uh is probably the best one. And that's not saying much then. Uh Daniel Jones. Uh the late Dwayne Haskins. RP. Um let's see here. That's it for first round. All right. Uh Drew Locke. Trash. Packers wanted Drew Locke. That was a that was a long standing rumor that they they were trying to get Drew Locke and then settled on Alex Jenkins, which is probably the right idea. Um, it's, worked uh, out, yeah, it's ugly. Worked out, worked out for the best. Okay, so let me ask you. So before we move on to to our bucks, our, our beautiful bucks, we're both going to be there at Lambeau uh, on Sunday. Should be rocking. Going to be a lot of Cowboys fans, probably. I'm hopefully, I'm hoping I'm not by a bunch of them. I've heard they're assholes, kind of. Um, what do you think the score will be uh, when we're there on Sunday? Um. I'm going to say Dallas wins 27 to 17. Okay. 
I'm going to go Packers 23, Dallas 17. I think the Packers have a lead early. I think they jump out. LaFleur was talking about it. I think they jump out early. And I think we hold on for dear life at the end. I think it'll be it'll get far too close for comfort. But the Packers end up winning. And then it begins. And then we go. And as Kevin Green once said, like great, a lot of a lot of legends being honored in this podcast today. Um, now it's time. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so. so too, man. It'd be fun. Make it make it more fun. Uh, it's too bad we're not doing a doing a full uh full Sunday night out there to just get dummy, but uh the wives and fathers and and jobs and responsibilities. Although I did take off on on Monday, a little tax move. Same. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's uh it's, you know, it is what it is. But anyways, moving on to our Bucks. They finally lost. They lost to the Atlanta Hawks. Wasn't that they're crazy? On a losing game? streak. Yes. Well, I, I don't really one game you can't call it a losing streak. Like you gotta no, I think you gotta no. lose two. So I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about Bucks topic, and next week we have the Cavs. It's a big, big week next week. We were wrong on the pod last week. We we're like, oh, the Cavs are this week. It's like, no, it's actually next week. But yeah, you got Bucks Cavaliers. You have Titans Packers. Like loaded middle of the week. And what I what I wanted to know was like, what do you think the ceiling is for wins? Like from a realistic standpoint, factoring in injuries, factoring in load management everything else like how many wins could the bucks actually get you know this season well i i mean given their pace at this point uh you know 60 is is not not out of the question um i kind of thought going in that it was possible but it would have been a little bit of a dream scenario but it does kind of feel like now we have you know a 10 game sample it does kind of feel like they're taking it pretty seriously. Um, you did see Giannis sit out on Saturday against the Thunder, but that was really – that's been the only one so far this year. I mean, Middleton right. Middleton hasn't played at all. Connaughton hasn't played at all. So, sounds, like are, you're, sounds like you're not going to get Holiday tomorrow because of the ankle twist. Um, sounds like he's doubtful for, for Wednesday, so probably no Holiday, um, so you won't have him. But yeah, it's. I mean, you, you to your point, it's been mostly, it's been mostly full go, and yeah. guys, and, guys and are playing. They, they're they're all playing, and they are, for the most part. Now the Atlanta game, we hope, is an outlier. Um, for the most part, have been have been containing the three point uh, barrages and um, very well this year. So it has been more than just lip service. It seems like, you know. I was at the game on Friday in Minnesota, you know, the wolves couldn't make anything. And, you know, my wolves fan friends were, you know, that was the reason that, that we lost or, you know, we, we couldn't make shot and we, the bucks made everything. And it's like, well, I mean, why do you think they were missing shots? They just were, you know, they just were, they just couldn't shoot straight. I mean, the, I'm sure yeah, the defense had, exactly. had some factor. And, yeah. and so you, you, you have seen that and, you know, I, I hope that this the loss to Atlanta was just a uh, you know you're not going to win them all. I wasn't really bothered at all personally by the loss. I mean, nine and zero was great. I you know would would have loved to have gotten a twenty four and zero. Yeah, like, like Golden yeah, State did a couple years beat ago. Those, yeah, beat the bitch ass Warriors and and everything else. And I I I think that would be that would have been awesome. And 
I'm with you on the 60. I actually kind of in a weird zag. I don't want the Bucks to win more than 65 games because I feel oh, like after I mean, 65, you get into this like legendary regular season stuff. And then that target that we talked about that's off right now, all of a sudden it's back on and the pressure is massive. And it's like, you're expected to win the championship. Like the, you know, basically any team that's in that 65 range has won a title. So it's like, you get the 60, that's still impressive. That's still really good. And, and I don't think you'll be the favorite and people will look at you as the favorite, but I, I don't think the pressure of you being this all-time great team is there at 60 wins. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 60s, I mean, they did it. They've done it at least once under Bud, right? Yeah, um, I'll look it up here. I think I think it's at least once. They've obviously been very, very close the rest of the time. And I think last year was their lowest win total, maybe. And yep. last year was – you know, there's been a number – I mean, you, you've had – obviously, you haven't really had a normal – this is probably the first normal season um, of Bucks basketball in four years, you yep. know, where you have fans, you're not coming off a, a championship and short off season and all the excuses kind of was the first reset in, you know, since 2019. And, um, you know, it just – it does feel like that they've – kind of found a happy medium between uh, going balls to the wall, number one offense, number one defense. And, and last year where you're coming off the championship, trying to be cautious, maybe a little bit of a championship hangover, what the Warriors are going through right now, probably. Um, and, it, you know, they, they seem to have this, this nice, happy medium. And I, I hope that that just continues throughout the year where it's just, it's just, a nice, easy um, 10 point wins every game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think they can. Right. And I think getting the guys back is only going to help and having Chris Middleton, where it seemed like the Bucks were stalling and Middleton, if they face the Hawks in the playoffs is going to be massive for that series because yeah. they can throw a lot at Giannis. And the other part about yesterday is if Trey Young plays, I don't know if the Hawks win that game. Right. Oh, yeah. Like right. they, they actually are better without Trey young when it comes to the Bucks. There aren't all, I, that's not every team. Um, you know, there's some teams where Trey young's needed, but against the Bucks, going big is how you're going to win. And Atlanta, there's not a lot of teams like Atlanta. And I think it's overreactionary to be like, Oh yeah, Atlanta poses a threat. It doesn't pose a threat. I mean, it's just it's you get to play them again next week, which is weird that they play Atlanta three times in the first basically twenty Mom. games of the season. Yeah. But it's a great opportunity for Giannis to kind of look at the tape and say, "All right, how do I adjust against Ukano? How do I figure out how to play him?" He could take John Collins. Like John Collins is a baby. Like I, I don't think John Collins is that good. It's Okonwu that's good. And like the every day that the Hawks can't figure out that Okonwu should be playing twenty five minutes. The 30 minutes is another day that goes by where the Bucks are thriving because I think O'Connell is a really good player. And I would, I just was really impressed with him in the Eastern Conference Finals. I never liked to see him on the court. I still am impressed with him. And it the Bucks benefit that. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get our, we'll get our chance back at Atlanta. Um, and, you know, you got Oklahoma City again this week too. So you've played them right. twice. Right in a week, 
You know, the schedule hasn't been real tough for the Bucks yeah. yet. A lot of home games. And, um, you know, the Philly win on opening night doesn't look awesome at the moment. I mean, Philly's kind of bouncing back and forth. They did beat Phoenix. Well, uh, they, they don't have Harden right now. So, I mean, you have to. Well, probably, which helps yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you look at that team, it's kind of built like the 2019 Rockets. And it's built like it's right. for James Harden and not Joel Embiid, which is odd, to say the least. It's just the fascination slash obsession with James Harden that Daryl Morey has is one of the weirder, like, underreported things. <laughs> I don't think it's underreported, but it's just it's just odd, right? And yeah, it is. So the other thing I was going to mention when you said we got another chance at Atlanta, it's, we'll also see if the revenge Bucks are back. I mean, the Bucks before COVID – were so good at just dominating teams that they lost to. Like, they were just off the charts good against those teams. So we'll see if that comes back to life uh, next Monday yeah, that's, night. That's true. I, I guess I kind of forgot about that, but it did. But but that went back to the whole, um, you know, regular season burnout thing where, yeah. you know, it, it where you, you took some games too seriously maybe. Yeah, they and, treated it like it was game seven when they didn't need to. Right. And so, which yeah. I love, but at the same time, I don't know. It's really hard to prove that shit. I know that people, people, you know, I want to win every game. I'm sorry. I, I no. understand it's not going to happen. And there's some off nights and it's a make or miss league. And it's what you saw on Monday night. But, um, you know, it, it's really hard to say, can you get burnt out in the playoffs just by quote unquote trying hard in the regular season? I don't know. I mean, yeah. There should I, I, I there should be some load management. I am pro load management, and but it, it can't it can't be twenty games. It's right. got to be like ten. You know, yeah. it, you, you know, if Giannis plays seventy games, that's beautiful. Yeah, um, you have you have to pick your spots. Like if you look at like quote unquote when's the next time to load manage? You play the Lakers at home on Friday, and then you go out to Charlotte on Saturday. That's a perfect time for hey, Giannis's knee is sore. He's not going to play, right? Yeah. Or Drew's not going to go out there and give it. Do I think it's kind of shitty when the Packers or the Bucks, excuse me, go out to a, to a location and Giannis isn't playing? Like I got very nervous for you being in Minnesota when Giannis popped up on the injury report. I was like, fuck, he's not going to play for our <laughs> Minnesota Bucks fans again. And then he played, which is great. He had triple double, looked awesome. Uh, but yeah, it was, I was a little yeah. nervous for you. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I didn't, I didn't until we were at a restaurant across the street and I happened to pop open Twitter and I saw that he was, that there was a quote, I think I saw Jim Ozarski at a bud quote saying, we'll see how he feels. And I was like, Oh fuck. I mean, it's fine. I'm a Bucks fan first, but yeah, you'd like to, you'd like to have that little chip. Uh, incidentally, I don't know if you want to, have a quick, uh, quick story from the game. Some oh, sort yeah. of my go experiences. Ahead. Yeah, I would love. I would. Yeah, we whatever. What I, we we can go forever. Well, so so. Um, review. We we uh yeah we we sat up top and then we moved, and went down downstairs and you just heard little little things from, you know the Minnesota fans, you know, there was we sat in one corner the first time we moved lower bowl, one corner, there were some dudes behind us. I never got a look at how old they were or whatever, but I heard a cu- couple of them say like, geez, there's a lot of, 
lot of Bucks fans here. There, it probably was like, you know, thirty percent Bucks fans. I mean, it was it was decent. And he's like, "Well, winning a championship will do that for you," you know. And <laughs> it's like, well, true, but it's also, I mean, why do you think I went up there? How often do they play Minnesota uh, on a weekend night where it's not the middle of winter? I mean, you probably probably weren't a ton of people that came up from Milwaukee. I might have been one of the few. And it probably was a lot of lacrosse, you know, Eau Claire fans that, that don't get to go to Milwaukee very often. It's a bit of a hike and it's just easier. You get your one game for the year out of the way or whatever. Maybe you come down here one time too. Um, but, you know, I heard that and I kind of thought that was just funny. And then there was later in the game, uh, we were sitting in the other corner and, uh, you know, Bucks were – up pretty comfortably in the fourth quarter and there was a guy black dude probably in his 40s you know with a kobe lower marion jersey on and um he was just screaming stuff and he was screaming at towns you know i don't think they like carl anthony towns a whole lot there i think they just expe- i think they expect more a lot of them a lot of them are realistic about it um that you know this guy was like did you see Towns, you seven foot, you seven foot, you need to be down the post and all that. <laughs> and then the best part was when uh, Bobby Portis made like a turnaround fadeaway or something. And the same guy goes, you let Bobby Portis make that. He trash, he trash. I turn around and I'm just like, no way, dude. No way. He's the man. And yeah. He, he didn't hear me. You but. can't slam. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't ready to listen to your Bobby slander. Like he didn't. He didn't get it. Um, Slander and Bobby. The Bobby chants were incredible. It was, I, I got to say, like, I know that some Bucks fans don't like the 9 p.m. starts. I fucking love them. Like, I was having a drink. I was having multiple drinks. I was pretty tuned up by the end of that. Um, I might have had a 12% stout um, in the fourth quarter, a little dessert for my myself, and I loved it. Like, I, I think we should have a couple 9 p.m. starts a year. Like, I, I just think, sure, it kind of hurt you guys going out-wise. Maybe it didn't. But I I love it from a from a viewer perspective. Well, it yeah, I guess I didn't really – you kind of lose track of time. I was on vacation. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it was – Yeah. but, yeah, it, it, it got late quick. I'll say that. It was like all of a sudden bar closed, basically, because yeah. the game didn't get done until – probably was midnight before we got to right you know our first watering hole after the game yeah, yeah. so a couple there and then you move on and we went for like a we went to another bar that we went to one we went to one called glicks live music outside of well it was across the street from kieran's where we were before the game right by the target center just right outside of it and then we walked to another bar it must have been like a 15 minute walk charlie would have been irate and, oh that's not true uh, <laughs> that's that's such slander. I I just I do like bars in close proximity. Yes, but that doesn't mean that I can't I can't walk a little bit. Like you make me sound like I'm a fucking tank that I just I waddle around. Like, that's true. Well, yeah. So by the time we got there and waited in line, it was like, and they of course spark clothes there is like two. Yeah, you know, they're, they're pretty. They're starting they're to pretty, keep, yeah, they're pretty stringent about it. They're also the same place that forever didn't allow booze on. Booze on uh, on Sunday, Sunday right, so right. you know. So, but yeah, um, otherwise glad, good good weekend. But yeah, no, that was a couple couple tales. No, tales from was, the Target Center. Tales from the Target Center. 
uh, kind of a dump. I mean, it's it's not a dump, but it's it's like the Bradley Center. I mean, it, yeah. it makes built sense. around the same time, a little more renovated, a little nicer, a um, little shinier, but you know, yeah, maybe not Pfizer for him. Definitely, and, and who knows? Maybe going up to Target Field, it'll look better than American Family Field. All the all the Twins fans like to make that claim that basically the that's quite that a bit tar- newer. Well, right, and it's open air, and they get so mad when you when you criticize. I got into it this yeah. summer, and it was like just put a fucking roof on your stadium. They're like, we can't because we lived in the we have the dome, and it's like it's kind of funny. When it's like that, but like with the Viking, you criticize the Vikings for having a dome, then that's a big deal. But whatever, it's here and <laughs> there. I don't need to go on a rabbit hole. Uh, but speaking of baseball, we have the Brewers, who free agency kind of starts here uh, on Thursday. Uh, there, there might be some moves. We'll see. Uh, we have John Hamm narrating Trey Turner's free agency video. Uh, that was something. Um, we have Eric Lauer basically being the mouthpiece of the Brewers organization uh, where telling the ownership to basically put up or shut up, I, which like, I, I know a lot of people like it. I know there are a lot of people who are like, Oh yeah, yeah. I see. And people who joked like, Oh, Eric Lauer is going to get traded now. And it's like, I, I will just say this, like you got to be better if you're going to run your mouth like that. Like you got to be like near Cy Young level. If you're going to be the vocal leader of this team, I don't know. I just, it's kind of a hard move to be like the third or fourth best guy in your rotation. And honestly, if Freddie and Aaron Ashby play the way they can, you're probably the fifth starter. So I, and maybe Adrian Hauser's better than you. I don't know. Like shut up. So I, 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 I have mixed feelings on that. Well, you, but, you, you can't speak out against the church in front oh, of Charlie. No. So. Okay. All right. Here we go. Yeah. The water carrier, the whole fucking thing. It's more. I'm just making. Oh, it's fun been of- a been a lot of water carrying on this podcast. <laughs> Might as well keep it going. I mean, fuck off. I I mean <laughs> I, I I listen I, with in terms of Lauer. It's just his play. He's just not not good enough to be running his mouth, right? Like it's a little bit of the Jair stuff where it's like, who is I, for the Brewers? I mean, Corbin Burns. I'm, yeah, Brandon Woodruff, okay. Devin Williams. Um, honestly, I I think like. I don't think he's that good, but I would, if it's Colton Wong saying it, who's been on championship teams in the past, I'll allow Colton Wong to say it too, um, because he he kind of knows what it takes to win baseball games. And Colton Wong's back, and I thought that was a little surprising. I didn't expect it. I think when we talked about when we were wrapping up the year, we were like, okay, they're just going to move on to Bryce Strang, and they chose not to. And they're giving Colton Wong $10 million. It's a little bit of a, a hike, but at the same time, it's, uh, yeah. But it's what fans kind of want, right? They want the Brewers to spend money. That's spending money. <laughs> I know, yeah. uh, it, but yeah, it's, well, it's, it's not. It's you not, you it's not part of it's spending. I, no, it's no. Not the it, way I want to spend money. It's like exactly. Oh, fuck. It's not okay. It's not. But like, not. Mitch, Mitch, do you want Gene Segura? Do you want Cesar Hernandez? Do you want sure. fucking those guys suck compared Gene to Segura Paul doesn't Long. suck. Gene Segura is. It was an eighth hitter on the Phillies. He would not be any higher than yeah, because they have a real Phillies. lineup. No, Gene Segura is a good contact hitter, but has no power. His power is gone. Cole Wong had it had the fourth best WAR on the team. His RC plus, which for those who are unfamiliar, are runs created. You take out all the variables. That's why RC plus is being used 
by everybody. That's like the stat these days. It was 116. It was the second highest compared to 2021, where he had his highest RC plus. He fits with this Brewers offense. I understand that he cannot hit left-handers. I know that's a frustration, but it's you can work around that. And you can hope that Bryce Trang is basically the Jace Peterson, and he is sort of your answer to that. I I just the Brewers didn't have a ton of infield depth and bringing back Colt Wong and spending money, which is what people are asking the Brewers to do. Like if you're going to tell the Brewers to spend money, but get mad at how they spend money, that's just too fucking hypocritical for me. I'm sorry. It is. And I know you disagree, but I'll let you go. But well, when you, when you, when you could have let him walk and spent 10 million on somebody else. But again, the, the second, you already know what you're getting from Colton Wong. The second base market is not good. You already have Luis Urias to play second base. But maybe they're done with Luis Urias. Maybe they're looking at another, looking at a third baseman. I read some like burner shit, and I don't, I don't really want to even report it because it's just some guy bored. But you know, Brandon Jury's a name that's got brought up. Like Brandon Jury could basically do what Luis Urias does, and probably better. And he play a bunch of different positions. Brandon Jury could easily be. You're the Luis Urias replacement. You could also trade Luis Urias. I think there's still value in Luis Urias to another team. And maybe it's a package of Urias, Tyrone Taylor, and one of the prospects for a pitcher or for more hitting. And the Brewers do need a catcher. Like, that's something they're going to have to address. I would rather take take money and spend it on a catcher than overpay for any of the second baseman options that we just mentioned and 10 million for Colton Wong to me feels like market value. And you clearly don't think that way. You don't think Colton Wong would get 10 million on an open market for a one year deal. No, he, he could have, but it didn't have to be here. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I don't, I don't really hate Colton Wong. I just don't understand. I, I wasn't dying to keep him either. And I, you know. I, I, look, I was I was surprised. I I would say that I agree in the sense of that. Yeah, I feel I feel somewhat similar that it it's not exactly like where I where I thought the Brewers were were going to going to look look towards. But at the same time, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. And yeah, when you I think there's a lot of needing to peel the onion back, right? Like I, I basically was like, there were a lot of people who were like, oh yeah, bring Brad Boxberger back. And you know me, I've said, I've, I don't have to watch another Brad Boxberger pitch. I'm fine. Like I will, I will go to bed happy. And someone, uh, Michael replied to me on Twitter and was like, yeah, I mean, $3 million for a serviceable reliever is not, it's fine. It's, it's all right. And I'm like, yeah, I just felt like every time he had, he had runners on. He gave them up. And, yeah, his inherited runner stats were bad last year. So, I don't know. Um, and if $3 million for a reliever is is fine. Uh, but, yeah, I don't I don't think they, they will run back, right? Like, I, I think that's short-sighted. And Wong is not an example of it because they're, I don't think they're going to bring back Omar Nervias. I don't think they're going to bring back Andrew McCutcheon. Like, if you were going to truly run it back, like McCutcheon and Nervias – might be signed already, might be already ready to go. So I I kind of don't buy into that fact, that like theory or that worry I think that some fans have with the Wong signing that they're just going to run it right back or if they bring back Matt Boxberger. Yeah, I mean, Boxberger probably has run its course as well. The thing with him, though, is like 
he could he could pitch. I mean, literally at any inning, probably. That's I think the, he's that's the thing, he's, right? He's comfortable. That's like, like and, I, and he's, you're he's like, versatile as a reliever. And you're like, would you rather give him three million dollars to do that, or would you rather pay him his buyout, which is seven hundred and fifty thousand, to go pitch for somebody else? I, I personally would rather the three million. I, I don't know. Like I, like I said, not my favorite player last year. I liked him in 2021. So I mean, maybe maybe things can change, but obviously we'll see if the Brewers spend money. We'll see if there are any trade conversations that happen. Um, we'll see if they. Yeah, I mean, they, I think it's it's just it's just either either get a legitimate free agent, um, you know, a, a major league, an average above average major league caliber free agent. It doesn't have to be the you know, it's not going to be the greatest guy. I understand that, or you know. Bring me, give me Terang, give me Sal Freelich, give me uh, Garrett Mitchell. I mean, it's, it's, you know, enough Chase Peterson, please. No, Mike no, Grosso. I, I mean, I agree. I, I agree that, yes, the bench should be filled out with young guys. And look at the Phillies. I, I, I know. I mentioned that on a podcast, what, three weeks ago that I was like, that comment that was made by, I forget who made the comment. It was, I think it was John Crump was like, yeah, once yeah. the Phillies brought in their young guys, like it kind of changed the dynamic of the team. Well, it's and just it's a good it's a good Mitchell. mix. It's a it's a good mix of like for the Phillies, good mix of high priced talent, you know, serviceable veterans and young studs. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that seems to me like a pretty good way to build a team. Right. Absolutely. No, I I totally agree with you. And yeah, I, I you know looking at the free agents and we've. We've kind of ran through it, and we can certainly do this more in depth, but a guy like Jose Abreu would be great. A guy like Brendan Jury would be great. If the market kind of gets to a Grandal level, I think you have to have a conversation about Wilson Contreras. I think it would be really hard for Brewer fans to get on board with Wilson Contreras because he's been an absolute fucking prick, but Wilson Contreras makes that that Brewer offense a lot more a lot better, right? Like, you can't yeah. Kind of can't deny that. Uh, reviewing the brew has Christian Vasquez as a catcher. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I think Christian Vasquez has a good good amount of pop. Uh, he's a, actually he calls a really good game. I I would be perfectly fine with Christian Vasquez. I think that would be and a given the way the Astros used him, his value should be suppressed. Um, I mean, he hit two seventy four last year. Yeah, no, I, I think. I think Christian Vasquez is a fine option. Like I think that I would be, I'd be really, I'd be really okay with that. I'd be, I'd be very, be very good with uh, Chris, with Christian Vasquez. So right. yeah, I, I think that we'll see what the Brewers do. We'll see, see if there are moves made. I, I, I trust in the new regime and Matt Arnold. And we didn't even really talk about that because that happened right, right after we taped and. I, I think one of the things that from that Mark A conversation was just that how good of a communicator Matt Arnold is. And I, I, you know, reading between the lines a little bit there, I don't really think David Stearns did a good enough job with that, especially in today's era. That's a little more the players need to know everything. They're on social media. They're hearing everything. I think that Matt Arnold is going to do a better job of that than David Stearns did. Cause it seems like David Stearns would just hold himself up in, in his like office and not talk to anyone. Punching on his calculator, um, yeah. I mean, and you, you got, you wonder, you, you would assume that there might be a splash trade with Matt Arnold. I mean, just coming out of the gates, I feel like 
that's kind of what Stearns did. Made some moves right away. And um, granted, that was a little bit of a different situation. I think the Brewers were kind of obviously going into the rebuild, kicked off by Doug Melvin, one of the greatest trades of all time. People forget. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and uh, so a little different scenario. Uh, Arnold is kind of, it was more of a passing of the baton, at least to this point, until the, until the, you know, not so secret Stearns goes to New York, whenever that might be, probably not till next year. Um, whenever that happens, you know. The, yeah, it does. That long, also, long, that also does, does seem possible uh, with like a guy in the house who's like, well, he's going to be here for, he's going to be here for this year. But then after next, I don't know. And yeah. it kind of was like, all right, we don't really want, we don't really want Dave, David half in, half out. We're like, we kind of felt like maybe he already was there with that, right? Like, the fact they had the DFA Jackson Reitz, who was an all-star catcher for the for Biloxi, that's 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 kind of a bad sign. It's a sign that maybe you're a little more you don't you're not entirely with it. And I'm I'm looking forward to the new regime. I just I think the biggest thing about the money stuff is like, yeah, I get if it's not the way you want to spend your money. But as long as the Brewers don't look like a carbon copy of last year, I think it'll be all right. I agree that you need to have you need to show some increased value. So whether that's a Vasquez, whether that's a Drury, a Brayu, um, just to name a few, right? Or you make a big trade. I think that I think that should satisfy Brewer fans. I just think Brewer fans are kind of out of control, and I think part of it. And again, this can we can save this for our unhappy conversation. I think part of it's just the sum of all parts. I think the Brewer fans went right into Packer season, Badger season. It hasn't been good, so they're still fucking angry. And I don't know. Maybe those seasons were better. Maybe those fans aren't as still, like, snarky and, like, sell team and all this other garbage. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a, been a rough, uh, rough few months for, you know, 90% of the state that doesn't watch the Bucks. It's been, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean – but I, 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 the only thing I would add to that is just that the now we're kind of doing the happiness thing, so maybe I'm running over it. But all I would add is it's not it's ten games in, right? Like I think everybody's oh, yeah. getting themselves back to basketball, whether it's college or pro. Like everybody is getting back in the mix of watching college basketball and watching pro basketball, and it's kind of hard to defend it if you have a significant other. You can't just be like, oh, honey, we're watching Marquette play fucking Radford tonight. After well, I just watched a full weekend of football, I was gonna tweet that if you're watching uh, college basketball season opener over the Bucks, we'll never be friends. <laughs> I almost tweeted that, but I was like, oh, it's not worth I, it. I I ended up. You were one of them. I know you were. You no, son no, of a bitch. No, 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 no. I so the the FS1 did a weird thing where they did like a Big East whip around, like red zone, basically for the Big East. And so they didn't have the Marquette game on. You had to pay to watch it. So I was like, all right, well, I'll see how much Marquette I can watch with this. And if it's good enough, I'll do a review and the whole thing. And so, but I had the Bucks on. And then I just had the FS1 game on my phone while I was cleaning the kitchen watching the Bucks. Bucks game gets out of hand. Then I turn it to, I turn it to the Marquette game. And Marquette? They didn't exactly bury Radford either. No, 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 no. Uh, we're a young team. We got nine freshmen and sophomores. We... So it's going to be just as long as we have our rotations figured out by Baylor, I'll feel all right. But it's very possible that I can Young team for the, for the sixth year in a row. 
I, I don't know. I mean, how it happens, man. I'm hoping that we can build some consistency. But yeah, it was it's a young team last year. You got to remember also too. It's a it's a new coach, a new coaching regime. But Chaka, Chaka's done a good job. I guess the crowd was really good last night. Big student section for first game of the season. They're gonna have an all students game on Thursday night against Central Michigan. It's gonna be played at the Al McGuire Center. So that should be a lot of fun and. I we'll see. We'll just see. I mean, Baylor, Baylor's gonna be really hard. Baylor looks like the best. I mean, it's a really early and they beat Mississippi Valley State, but they, everything points to Baylor being a final four team. And you have a stretch where you have to play Baylor, Wisconsin, you play a sister of the poor, and then you gotta play Notre Dame. And those are three teams that could be NCAA tournament teams and, and Creighton's looming think week after. So there's your here's your quick uh Marquette preview. And yeah, it, it should be interesting. We'll see. Well, if you're Wisconsin and Greg Gard, you know, Paul Chris got fired this year. Didn't I, look, think that was going to happen. I, I, listen, I've said, this, I've said this to people. I was like, what do you think Greg Gard – do you think Greg Gard had at least a phone call with his agent? And I was like, hey, am I okay? I, 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 would, I would be – I'd look over your shoulder. They've done, they've done all right recruiting-wise. They were really good uh, in their first game. I didn't watch it. I will – I will tune in to Wisconsin Stanford. I don't know what channel it's on. I will at least see the colossal disaster I think it's going to be at American Family Field on Friday night. I just I don't see how that works. Like I I saw the court. I'm like, who can fucking watch this game? It's good. I just I'm very doubtful, and I'm not just saying it as a, someone who doesn't particularly like Wisconsin. I just it it doesn't it doesn't square up for me. Uh, but who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong, and maybe. Maybe, but I, I just think they have a long way to go in terms of putting a basketball court at uh, at American Family Field. Yeah, I think it's kind of stupid, but that's me. Yeah. All right, we should head out. This has been a long show. I think we oh, went yeah. almost a, almost an hour and a half. Um, so good times, man. Take care, uh, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk storylines tomorrow, and then maybe a keg jam on Friday show. Um, Shannon's a little under the weather, so that's why we didn't do it on Monday. So it'll get better for him. He's DJing like a crazy person. Uh, so I don't know if that helps, (laughs) but, uh, let's just, let's have to see if not, maybe I'll, uh, create my own, give you, give you a couple give give you a couple songs. Uh, I listened to number one stunner today at the gym and just that, that end where Manny or as Birdman talking about having a platinum football field is, is a pretty great line, you know, in retrospect. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I haven't listened okay. to that song in a while. Also, quick match and thought: the fact that Ohio has a lineman named Kitsworth is incredible, and Ball State's running back, who has like long hair and looks like he should be in an eighties rock band, is fucking awesome. So yeah, those are my. I saw that dude. Yeah, he's fucking running over people. I love that guy. So, anyways, uh, pro- probably a pride to Wausau, Wisconsin. If I wasn't, if I didn't know any better. All right, take care, everybody. Have yourself a great Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Sit, bye. Peace.